There have never been more options for your next vehicle, but the right choice has never been clearer. That's because Toyota has a high-performing hybrid built for your exact needs, like the stylish all-new Camry XSE Hybrid and Venza, the spacious Highlander and all-new Sienna with more cargo space, and the fuel-efficient and high-performing RAV4 Hybrid. Toyota hybrids save you time and money, filling up less often at the gas station. And of course, all with 10-year, 150,000-mile warranty on new models. Take the next step. Visit Toyota toyota.com slash hybrid or your local Toyota dealership to learn more. ¿Qué tal amigos? Mi nombre es Roman Rojas y Tremenda Vaina es el podcast donde te contamos cuatro historias que desafían la realidad. De las cuatro historias solamente una es mentira. ¿Cuál será? En el último episodio de Tremenda Vaina te contamos de un muchacho en China que vendió una parte de su cuerpo para comprarse un iPad. ¿Será verdad? ¿Será mentira? Suscríbete en iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify o tu plataforma favorita. También nos puedes seguir en Twitter, Instagram o Facebook. All right, you guys, now it is the time of the show here at Latinos Out Loud where we interview someone amazing, 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 and worked uh, with the, no, no, not the amazings, the other ones. I'm not going to make any baseball references this whole interview. I'm not, I promise you, but let me just introduce him because you know I'm not a sports girl, but anyway, you guys, we have someone so amazing. His name is Luigi Squeegee, former bad boy of the New York Yankees. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. Now you had to you had to do that with like you had to introduce him like now batting. Oh, Luigi. Wow. Luigi. Uh, Bob Shepard. Bob Shepard. Hey man, Latinos out loud. Thank you guys for having me. Hey. You guys, you guys have an amazing podcast. I love it. I love the energy and I love to be a part of this, man. You guys rock. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Have you. you ever been interviewed on a podcast before? Oh, many times. As a 15-year-old kid, I love the camera. The camera loves me, too. Oh. <laughs> okay, okay. But is this, is, is this your first, like, audio interview on a podcast? Have you ever done this before? Yeah, I've done this since I was 15. I've done it with uh, CNN. I've done it with uh, WPIX. I've done it on BronxNet. Uh, you know, with some former players, uh, just to mention a few, David Cohn, Daryl Strawberry, and... Uh, former Mets, you know, two just, former Mets, just throwing yeah. that out there. <laughs> and they did better off in the Bronx. Ah, <laughs> yeah, team-wise, individual-wise, they, they yeah. were good in the Mets, right? <laughs> you're right, though. And, yeah. you know, the good part of it, Jamie, is that... Uh, It, it, it baseball brings us all together mm -hmm. and uh doesn't matter what color what sex you are um baseball unites us all and even during these tough times and that's that's the thing i'm here and a message i'm here to spread that uh you know it doesn't matter what team you root for uh what favorite player you have at the end of the day they all bring the same thing to the table and it's entertainment and joy for you to go home win or lose is to uh for those few couple of hours together at a stadium or watching at home on a tv we're all bonded by one game and, and one game only man wow i love that, that. Can, yeah. can i ask you a question so okay baseball is what america's 
most famous pastime, hobby, sport? Like, is that how you got into being a bat boy for the New York Yankees? Or how did you get to that? How well, how did, how, how did you even, how did you even become a Yankees fan? What was your first encounter being a Yankees fan? Was you, did you have like a family member that was like. Yeah, my, uh, my dad, uh, God rest his soul. He was, uh, you know, he died of cancer in uh, 1996 uh, during the World so Series. My, thank you guys. Uh, he, his favorite player was Jeff Nelson. He used to call him Geef Nelson because you know Dominicans can't pronounce things right. <laughs> 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 I'm half, by the way. I'm half. But, I... um, you know, at the end of the day, my dad sat me down in front of a TV and said, you know, he lied to me. He said he was a baseball player in Santo Domingo. The guy couldn't even throw 50 miles per hour. 50 miles per hour. <laughs> and, uh, but just him showing me the sport. <laughs> you know, made me a fan and that he was a Yankee fan and, and loved a Caucasian player who was one of the greats and is a great friend of mine now, uh, Jeff Nelson. And uh, that's where I became a Yankee fan in 1996. And I started going to the stadium when I was uh, 14, 15 years old. Luigi, you, your name is Luigi Squeegee. For a lot of people that don't know, Luigi Squeegee is a character from the Mario Brothers. Yes, uh, How did you get that name, Luigi Squeegee? Well, my, my nickname in the neighborhoods was Luigi because of my nose. Everybody thought I was Italian, but I was Puerto Rican. And that was a street name that people gave me. And um, uh, when, I, when, I, when I went to Yankee Stadium as a fan in 1996, 1997, I met a lady named Tina Lewis, who was the queen of the bleacher creatures. Mm. And uh, those are the ones that, you know, ring the cowbell. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. You know, they make noise and get their stadium rolling. And yeah. uh, I was with them for two years and I told her I wanted to become a, a Yankee bat boy. And I wrote a letter. She helped me write a letter. And then I met our famous captain and Hall of Famer now, Derek Jeter, who was a, my all time favorite player. And first day on the job with my uniform, it was baggy. Uh, you know how we was in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dressed in baggy clothes. Yeah, yeah, the baggy jeans. And, you know, they were tight. You know, the players dressed tight pants and tight jerseys. And he said, kid, man, what are you doing? And I, and I said, you know, I'm starstruck. It's my first day on the job. I used to see these guys on the baseball card. And here's Jeter sitting at his locker. And I'm meeting him. And you can't start the job unless Derek Jeter gives you a nickname. And that. Derek Jeter sat there and he looked me up and down and I'm like, why is this guy keep staring me up and down for? <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden he goes, that's it. And I said, what's it? He goes, your name's Squeegee, one of the window cleaners. <laughs> so from, from George Steinbrenner to uh, every visiting player to everybody, you know, Derek Jeter changed my life that day and wow. everybody called me Squeegee. Wow. So what, you know, what are the main responsibilities of a bat boy? Is it all bat related or are there other areas of the, of the field that people wouldn't know that a bat boy is kind of a part of like, what, what are the main responsibilities that you had? Oh, good question, Jamie. Uh, let me tell you something A bat people only think that, you know, you see him on TV for three hours and during a game, uh, bat boy carries a lot of responsibility and a lot of people don't know that. And, just like, you know, uh, just any sport, any franchise, but playing for the New York Yankees or working for the New York Yankees, it's a high-pressured uh, environment. So even the bat boys are being looked by the front office and it's high-pressure uh, 10 yeah. to 12-hour days, uh -huh. uh, you know, and, and that's coming from going from school, doing homework, doing batting practice, going to warm up a player oh, wow. during batting practice. <laughs> 
I, I was the only bad boy, by the way, that used to have ice put on by Steve Donnie in the chair. <laughs> I used to warm up every player because I was the only bad boy that threw like a man. Wow. 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 Yeah. Luigi. Oh, wow. Lu- Shout Luigi. out to Steve Donnie, you, for that. The trainer. <laughs> Luigi, talking about throwing, you had a very uh, uh, interesting uh, uh, thing, uh, throwing with David Cohn on his perfect game. Uh, talk to us about that. You're, you're in a documentary, like you're part of history when it comes to the Yankees on that, on that, on that, in 1999, talk to us about that. Wow, man. Uh, that was, that was my childhood idol. Uh, David Cohn, I used to always want to be like him when he was even playing for the Mets. I had his baseball cards. I used to show him when he was in Kansas city and Toronto. So when I, I got the opportunity in 1998 to meet David Cohn, he was one of the great leaders in the clubhouse. And, um, in 1999, there was a special moment, July 18th, that I'll never forget. He made me a part of history, and he mentions it to this day. For some reason, I, I call him the Great White Hope, and he, uh, <laughs> he, he he calls me he calls me his Robin, and he's Batman. Um, he pitched the perfect game in July 18th, 1999. And you know us Latinos, and I'm gonna get with all of you here, Rachel. And Jamie, and, uh, <laughs> you guys know about the, uh, the the voodoo and all that stuff. We believe in that stuff. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I got this white boy, you know, into the numbers. And uh, <laughs> the time, Yogi Berra, Yogi Berra, what was Yogi Berra's number? I don't remember what was it. 32. Number eight. Number eight. I don't know. Uh, eight. <laughs> number eight. Now, here, here, Rachel's, here's like, Rachel's like, nah, I'm not into baseball, but uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to guess Yogi Berra's number. Yeah, 71. That's, that's almost a close guess. <laughs> But now this is how the spiritual side came in and the baseball gods that Jamie knows and Nibs knows and, uh, and Rachel, pay attention to this. This is where the okay, intriguing okay. part. This okay. is the intriguing part here. 88 pitches he threw that day and the Yankees in Monument Park got two number eights retired. Wow. And Reggie, and listen, and that day was Yogi Berra day, the first time Yogi Berra and Don Larson were in the house and they pitched the perfect game in 1956 and they threw out the first pitch that day. Wow, that's amazing. So it's a movie, it was wow. a movie day and not even Hollywood could write this movie. And me and David now, 23 years later, we still talk about it and uh, we, we share about it. And that day, uh, it was a 45 minute rain delay in the third inning. It was against the Montreal Expos who are now the Washington Nationals. And mm. Joe Girardi wasn't ready and and uh, Jorge Posada, nobody was around to warm him up. So I was getting ready. They, we had a 45-minute rain delay, and here comes the uh, baseball operations, Sonny Hyatt. He goes, hey, guys, we got to warm up. The game is going to resume. You all guys got to warm up as quickly as possible. So David Cohn goes, <coughs> hey, Squeegee, you got a ball in the glove? I said, yeah, I got it in my hand. He goes, let's warm up. In the old vows of Yankee Stadium, the pipes were real low, and David Cohn was skipping them off the roof. We couldn't. He couldn't really feel comfortable and he goes, let's take it on to the field. So mm. we go on the field, and now 54,000 fans are screaming. You know, David Cohn's warming up. The Montreal was already on the mound. He had no time to warm up, and that's the only throwing he did. And he considers me his good luck charm. And in the ninth inning, there was a pop-up to Scott Brocious. And in the first time, in, and he was 38 years old at the time, almost at the end of his career, is the first time he was that close to a perfect game, and he got it done. With, a, with his childhood uh, little fan here, and he was my mentor. So people have picked it up, ESPN, documentaries, 
and him being Caucasian, me being Latino from the ghetto, he never judged. Uh, he's one wow. of my great mentors and friends to this day. Wow. And he always said, we will ever forever be connected. And he's proud that he warmed, that I warmed him up that day and I was his catcher during the rain delay. Wow. Damn, man. I, that, I love that. You can make a movie so from much. that relationship, man. <laughs> well, Where's the movie well, wait, of this? If you see here, if you see here we're both authors, man. We're yeah. both authors. And he mentions me in his book and I mention him in my book about that story. That so is I, great. I, I give a big shout out to my mentor, David Cohn, who's still my good friend to this shout day. Shout out to David wow. Cohn, former man also, uh, again. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but there was no, there was no magic for him as a Met, but there's always magic in the Yankees, which leads me to the question of, you know, the old Yankee stadium was, you know, uh, there was a lot of magic, right? People always said there was something in the spirits, right? The Yankee greats, like, and, and uh, uh, you know, the cathedral of baseball. So what, um, what are your favorite memories of just the old Yankee stadium? Oh, I have uh, many of them, um, but the ones that I cherish the most um, was 1998. That was Strawberry having cancer. Um, mm. He we lost the power hitter, and he was a great leader in the clubhouse. And remember, uh, the Texas Rangers were a powerhouse back then in the playoffs. Who was so that? When Juan Gonzalez was that when Juan Gonzalez was there? Juan Gonzalez, Ivan Rodriguez. You know, Ooh, yeah. you, had, you had the top notches guys. Yeah, yeah. And you had the Cleveland Indians, the Manny Ramirez. Mm. We had a, we had to go through that through injuries, adversity, everything. And, but when Daru had cancer, I remember uh, we all didn't matter with Scott Brocious, Tino Martinez, whether, to put it in other words, it didn't matter what nationality you were. He bonded us because we cried. I, that's the first time I seen grown men cry when we got the news and he wasn't going to be a part of the postseason. And right. we did it for him. And, you know, when we went to that ticket tape parade, that was my first time going down the hero, the Canyon of Heroes uh, mm. in, in City Hall. And uh, when we turned that corner, Jita said, soak it all in, kid. You're about to experience something you never experienced in your life. And just seeing Dow Strawberry in a Chevrolet lead us because we did it for him. And it unified. Yeah, it unified yeah. us. We were on a mission, not just, not just for New York. We did it for a man. And that showed team. And that's what I preach to this day. Not one person makes a team, but one person can unify a whole team to do something magical. Ooh. You know, Luigi, I may not know a lot about baseball. <laughs> and, and, and players' names and statistics and how many bases there are, but... How many touchdowns I, they make, you know. <laughs> I may not. <laughs> I can relate to the spirituality the unity, the love, that like multicultural connection, that is incredible. I'm so moved by that. And I want to go back to your book. Mm. So Clubhouse, you are the author of Clubhouse Confidential. Ooh. The right. title already sounds juicy. <laughs> juicy, juicy. I'm gonna take a sip of tea while I ask you to dish the tea. Like, what? <laughs> what is this book about? What is this baseball bochinche? Yeah. <laughs> yes, baby. That here's the kicker. Clubhouse Confidential. Uh, was a great book. It, it made top five sports book and when it first came out with uh, St. Martin's. Right. 
Wow. The Yankee players, Derek Jeter, David Cohn, I made sure I touched base with all of them first and got permission from them that I was going to put them in their book and tell funny tales. The title is deceiving because uh, people thought, you know, it's about steroids, stuff like that. You know, mm. it's none of that in there. It's about a young kid from the Bronx that got out the ghetto and got the experience, great times, meet presidents of the United States, meet so many celebrities and still stood humble enough because great mentors like Derek Jeter himself showed me how to, you know, don't let the, uh, you know, the ego get to you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it was about a kid that got to stay in hotels, uh, everything paid for, meal money. It was like get, having police escorts, um, you know what I'm saying? Partying illegally in clubs Ooh. in different states. Nice. Okay. <laughs> nice. With, with baseball players and, um, you Wait, know. Wait, are there like, are there bad boy groupies? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. my yeah. god! Oh my god! Gary Peter used to make fun of me, and uh, they used to be like, "Look at this guy, man! The only bad boy getting ESPN interviews, you know." And a couple other bad boys were jealous. You know what I'm saying? But I had swag, man. I was from the Bronx, you know. And I was trying to get to New York. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I didn't and mean to interrupt, but had to know. <laughs> But, you know, uh, we used to go party. I used to be in some hotels in Boston, you know, and have some, some females come back. You know what I'm saying? I thought I was a baseball player at the time. That's when you're young and dumb, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, 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 like, you know, they go, hey, wait. You? you know, girls used to be like, you look so nice with those spandex on. Oh, my God. Can I go back with you to your hotel? And, you know, I used to be like, hey, yeah, sure. You know what I'm saying? I thought at the time I was a player. And the players used to poke fun at me for that. But, um, you know. Did they, they always know you were a bad boy? A bad boy? I said bad boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not, always, I'm not they, signed to Pete Diddy. <laughs> or did you? <laughs> or did you sometimes play off like, oh, no, nah, no, nah, I'm, I'm Bernie Williams' like, third cousin. You know what I'm saying? Like, did you just, but they always <laughs> knew that you just were like the Yankees bad boy. And uh, Derek Jeter, I'll tell you one time, Derek Jeter in Boston said, hey, man, you were single at the time. He was like, hey, man, that's my little brother. And it was uh, like, you see, that's what I'm saying. Like, there were some girls there, and they were like, oh, my God, you Derek Jeter's brother. How do this guy, Puerto Rican, look like Derek Jeter's brother? But, you know, I ran with it. I said, yeah, I'm his brother. I'm his lost long brother. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But that was Jeter always looking out, man. Wow. <laughs> I introduced him to Mariah. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> hey, by the way, she looked great without makeup coming to the stadium where he used to date her. Oh, oh snap. Okay. Oh, snap. Gossip. Yeah. <laughs> she That's does a, seem like a natural beauty, you know? Yeah. Right, I like yeah. She's very talented as well. Right. Luigi, yeah, yeah. I want to state that most bad boys only become bad boys for maybe a year or two. You were a bad boy for eight mm. years. Wow. And you're wow. considered like a good luck charm. Or you were considered because in those eight years, they won three championships. So they always kept you around. You must have had like a, a good effect in that locker room. Tell us about that. Well, I definitely had uh, the, the Santeria in my back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> like what? Like a chicken without a head in your pocket? <laughs> Like what? The gallina? I had a I had a chicken's foot. I used to carry around in my back pocket. It like you know, a uh, Serrano from uh, Major League, right? You had a whole locker <laughs> of. Uh... There you go. There you go, Jamie. 
you know, I, I, I'm grateful to God, man. Uh, uh, you know, you know, I know we're on the joking side, but uh, be honest, man. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. I was very blessed. And uh, you know, when I got there on the scene, you know, I thought it was one and done. But uh, my first year, we won 125 games. We lost 50. That that was never done before in history. So we be we we broke some records that year. Uh, also, David Wells pitched a perfect game that year. Uh, then they brought me back 1999, and they always had me sit in the same uh, in the photos, the team photos mm -hmm. uh, in September. They always had me sit in the same spot. If you look on Google, you'll see that I'm the only bat boy that sits in the same place, and other other bat boys rotate. Wow. And uh, wow. they were superstitious. And, you know, in baseball, it's their superstitious. Yep, yep, yep. And, um, you know, I was fortunate and lucky. I stood in the same spot. And we went to four World Series in a row, me sitting in the same place. But we lost in 2001. But we came that close to having a four-peat. Yeah, wow. wow. Yo, uh, yeah. I, just because, like, I'm obsessed with superstitions, can we just dwell on that for a moment? Like, yeah. are there any players' superstitions that maybe only you know about or that mm. you saw Good that question. you could share? Oh yeah, Tino Martinez used to talk to his bat uh, before games. Oh, uh, oh! He used to hit the bat and say, and the vibrate. He goes, "Nah, <laughs> you don't got a hit in it today." And I used to look at him. I'm like, oh, Tino <laughs> and then, and, and no lie, and then, and, and if, if and then he'll go, "Yeah, this is the one today." And he'll go three for four, and I'm like, "Shit, I needed to do that when I was little." <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh my god, is that him? Was that him knocking on a bat? Like, what the fuck was that? I heard a knocking noise. Anyway, no, that, are there that and then, and then you had a guy like you know, uh, Mike Stanton, you know, that had to wear the same uh, jock strap oh. that couldn't be washed, you know what I'm saying? And you couldn't touch it, you know. We used to call him stinky, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> he was the best no. reliever ever. I feel no. bad, I feel bad no. for Mike Stanton's girl, no. man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's why she used to call him Mike Stankin. Yeah. <laughs> Watch your bowlers, shit. Stankin Island. Ooh, those are juicy. One more, you got one more in the in the in the arsenal of bats that you got there. One more juicy superstition. Well, well Jason Giambi used to wear the lucky thong. It was a, a gold oh, thong. That the whole team had to wear. If you had, if you went in a no. slump, if you went, <laughs> if you went over twenty one, you had to wear. Uh, even the bad boys had to wear the lucky thong. And and believe me, <laughs> we used to, we all used to get out of a slump. If we were losing nine games straight, we would all have to wear that lucky thong and <laughs> lucky thong. So shout out to Toolshed, Toolshed for making the lucky thong for us Yankees. Lucky thongs are are you know. It's not just me who wears them. It's, it's <laughs> Was that the year that the song came out? Let me see that <laughs> thong. And shout out to Cisco. Yo, yeah, but that's like man. a really good concept because yo, then like there's something digging in your ass. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's a constant reminder, like get get on it, motherfucker. I'm gonna dig in your ass until you get on it. You know, <laughs> so you don't have to wear it. I guess that that whatever works, we uh we try to make it work. But uh, you know, it's a family thing, and whatever we can to like motivate each other and you know morally moral support. You know, it was a team effort, and that's what the Yankees were about. And I'm I'm just proud. So I had the best boss ever, you know, George Steinbrenner. And, uh, you know, yes. he, showed us, he showed us what winning was about and carry, you know, the respect for the brand and, uh, you know, help help out 
communities and everything, man. So I'm I'm proud to be a Yankee, man. I was proud to be a part of that dynasty and with a lot of great men. Yo, Lou. Oh, my bad, Frank. Luigi, talking about community, tell us about your community work, your community activism, and you were just recently inducted into IB, some type of Hall of Fame in the Bronx. Oh, wow, man. Yeah, um, for now, uh, for eight years now, I've had a foundation named Squeegee Children's Literacy Foundation. I followed in the footsteps of Derek Jeter's not-for-profit. I help African-American and Latino kids with education. We donate books, brand new books to schools. Uh, we get some laptops, iPads, you name it. We're there. We go, we go. Also, we take players, current and former, to schools in the Bronx and Manhattan. And we go talk to kids where it's needed uh, for motivation. We do toy drives. We do hand sanitizer masks now. Uh, you know, the Yankees were always a part of helping communities. And George Steinberg, a lot of people don't know, helped the Bronx a lot, but he was bashed a lot by the media. Mm -hmm. And in one of my chapters in my book, uh, I called it the red alert because I wanted to make it aware that that man, he didn't care. You know, he got bashed and uh, deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he, you know, he's a great leader, uh, one of the best owners in all sports. And uh, he believed in second and third chances. And he was one of the guys that, you know, motivated me to always give back. He said, give back and you'll feel rich in your heart, man. And um, mm. I was glad, you know, to this day, I donate book bags, school supplies to kids wow. with uh, athletes like Doc Gooden, Dr. Strawberry, David Cohn, uh, you know, just to name a few that have helped me in my past. Uh, Ray Negron was the consultant of the Yankees. Uh, so we go to schools, man. We help out our urban communities to this day, and we keep that tradition alive for George Steinberg. Dope, dope. I love that. That is so beautiful. Yo, Luigi, I have to tell you, you've really shed some light here and um, you educated us on just how multifaceted that role is for the organization. And I know there are some listeners out there that are going to share this story and maybe inspire others to follow in that career path. So before we wrap this interview, I want to know if you have any words of advice to that younger generation that is maybe seeking, you know, a, a career within their passion and their passion may be a sport like baseball. So what are some words of advice um, that you could drop? Um, um, I'm going to say the same thing that uh, Derek Jeter told me. Uh, don't be like me, be better than me. Uh, mm. He said, and I didn't understand that when I was 14, 15 years old, sitting on the couch with him. But then I got it later on. Uh, it, meant, it meant that, you know, you can have your mentors, but follow your passion, follow your dream, never give up. Don't let nobody tell you no. Work twice as hard as, as the next person, but do it for the right reasons, not for fame, clout, because that has humbled me. Um, when I was younger, I didn't understand. I, you know, you take a kid out the, out the ghetto and you bring them into something so positive and overwhelming, you can get carried away. And, you know, the spotlight can, you know, be very tempting. And you have to always, I learned from Jeter, walk a, a fine line, but do it professionally. And everybody has a story, just like David Cohn told me. We all have a story. Everyone has a story. Everyone deserves to tell their story because at the end of the day, you can be somebody else's survival kit. Uh, big or small, doesn't matter what scale. Just please stay in school, do the right thing, respect your peers, uh, be a leader, not a follower, and say no to drugs. 
right. Mm. All right. Um, that, very inspiring. Dude, before we wrap up, I just have one serious question <laughs> that I want to ask you. Okay, and to answer this truthfully, why did Roger Clemens throw the bat at Piazza? Huh? <laughs> did he have to All do right. that? You don't do that to Piazza. What's going on over here? All right. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what happened. Roger Clemens didn't have enough of milkshake that day and his Oreo cookies. He was so pissed at us clubbies, he had to take it out on the pizza man. man. Oh, I'm sorry. Man. This was about a milkshake? <laughs> he almost hurt our franchise player for over a, a milkshake? A milkshake. Oh, man. Hey. As a, yo, as I a milkshake fan, I, I can relate. I, I want to say something. Yeah. Uh, the best, the best, believe it or not, World Series that we had and was so intense and meant so much to us was the 2000 World Series. Subway Series, uh, baby. And I'm going to tell you why. Uh, there was a lot of, you know, Mets and Yankees that played on both teams. Mm. Um, two great managers. Remember that. Mm -hmm. uh, you had Subways. We were the center of baseball. New York. Didn't matter if Mets fans or Yankee fans. The spotlight was on New York. And at yeah. the end of the day, two franchises that, you know, are considered big brother, little brother, but at the end of the day, do so much for communities. And we put it all out there. And you saw some old veterans go out in style, man. It was a great series. It was a class. Yeah. It was a class act World Series. There was no fights. There was no nothing. It was just, you know, let the better team win. And at the end of the day, it was done respectfully. And, you know, the Mets, when we won, they took their cast from their dugout. And one of the greats, who's a good friend of mine, John Franco, man. Mm, guy, yeah, man. Yeah, you man. Yo, New York deserves a Subway Series for 2021. Let's go. Woo! Well, I got, I got to say something. Do your part. We'll be there. Yes. Oh, <laughs> shots fired. Booyaka. Hey, Yo, by say, the way. Can I, say, can I say one thing? I would like to say hi to my, my kids, Lewis and Steven. Right. And... Uh, Disco, a 4 Management for giving me opportunity in acting. I would like to thank Latinos Out Loud, guys, man. Keep doing what you guys are doing. You guys are the best, man. And we need more, more uh, interviews like you guys, interviewers like you guys to help us youth, man. You know what I'm saying? Let's wake up. Let's wake up uh, us Latinos and, and African-Americans and united we stand. Like, where could everybody find you? What's next for you? Like, I know we said we were gonna wrap up the interview, but you're just so much fun to talk to. Um, <laughs> seriously, last question, last question for real, for real, for real, for real. Te lo juro por mi madre. Like, what? Así son la Latina, Te lo juro por everything that's, uh, you know sacred to me um <laughs> what's next like what could we do how do we follow you how do we support you uh you can follow me on instagram luigi squeegee is l-u-i-g-i -I, uh space s-q-u-e-g-e-e -E -E. our instagram is i am squeegee lowercase i a-m-s-q-u-e-g-e-e -E -E. um my next venture uh my next ventures are I'm doing a movie. I was just in a film with Tom Sizemore called The Mighty Art Maker. I played a terrorist. I had two lines. It was, uh, you know, it was hey! a fun experience. Wow. 
And, um, you know, I, I am pursuing acting as my second passion after baseball. Uh, I got a documentary coming out. And this is like from, you know, ghetto when I was born to corporate to back to where I am and I am the bridge because God has put me as his messenger to help the youth and help the corporate and make this uh, world a better place. And I also have a book, a children's book coming out in August 23rd, one day before my birthday with Page Publishing called The Lucky Baseball. It's an inspiring children's book, How I Met Derek Jeter, we're turning Squeegee into a cartoon character. Ooh. Oh my God! Wow, that's dope. That's great. Dope. And uh, that's so my documentary great. will be with uh, Black Wolf Productions, uh, a real life story from a kid, you know, that came from nothing, humbled himself, and uh, found God, and uh, is not afraid to talk about his mistakes. Dope, dope. I love it. I love it. Oh my God! One time, please, for Luigi Squeegee people. Guys, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> there have never been more options for your next vehicle, but the right choice has never been clearer. That's because Toyota has a high-performing hybrid built for your exact needs, like the stylish all-new Camry XSE Hybrid and Venza, the spacious Highlander and all-new Sienna with more cargo space, and the fuel-efficient and high-performing RAV4 Hybrid. Toyota hybrids save you time and money, filling up less often at the gas station. And of course, all with 10-year, 150,000-mile warranty on new models. Take the next step. Visit toyota.com slash hybrid or your local Toyota dealership to learn more.